been blessed, and we're a part of that blessing today. Uh, the passage of Scripture, there's, there's a couple, and let me tell you, I'm just going to share for a few minutes, and they said, a few minutes, Pastor? And I said, yes, so uh, I'm usually used to taking off on the runway and, and flying aways, and then sometimes I circle the airport in closing, you know, and then I land the plane. I've got to just pretty much stay on the, the takeoff today, so get ready. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, and if you do not, Question yourself why you need to bring your Bible to church. Here we go. It says in chapter 6, verse 17, Command those that are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. If you don't know it, you're rich. You're wealthy. Most of us have little houses that we park our cars in even. I mean, we're wealthy. We, we don't have a question of if we're going to eat today, but where are we going to eat or you know what kind of we're going to eat. Don't be arrogant. Don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. We all know that it's uncertain. But put their hope in God who richly provides for us with everything for enjoyment. Command them to do good. Boy, that's pretty strong in it. Command them to do good. To be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share in this way. They will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation into the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. Now, this morning, turn over to Matthew chapter 25. Again, hold on. Here we go. This morning, as we get into some of the things that we're doing at this church, this church, this body of believers. And we'll talk about the universal church off and on, but we're talking about 4101 Golden Triangle. This right here where you're sitting. That people in the past has put their faith in God. Therefore, if you want to break it down, that's why there is something holding you up called a chair. That's why we're having lights on. Somebody before you had faith for something that was in the physical realm that took care of a need. In our case, the, the spiritual need of coming to a place and worshiping God. To being able to grow in God. To be able to purpose. Now again, discipline is a whole other thing. But just to have a reason to be able to come and to have teachers this morning teaching uh, uh, Bible lessons and how to become an overcomer in this world. It, it's up to you if you take part in the actual sitting down in the seat. But somebody that has gone before you have believed and prayed and, and put money in the offering and, and, and swept this concrete before there was carpet and before the building and actually saw something in the spiritual realm that they were believing for coming into the physical realm. This morning I want you to see in Matthew chapter 25. Now this is a passage of Scripture that just follows the passage of the guy that, you know, the talents that some, you know, went out, the guy that had the, the ten talents went out and invested it and, and got ten talents. And then five talents came back, five talents. But there was a guy that did what? Everybody knows that guy and nobody wants to be that guy. Don't be the guy that buries the talent in his backyard and says, you know, I was kind of... Right after that passage, he talks, Jesus is talking. And as we're getting closer to the crucifixion, he begins to kind of, it, it seems like become very transparent. And this is, a, this is a passage called The Sheep and the Goats. And it says this, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in heavenly glory. 
Now listen, all these people that are listening to it is going, wow. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand and goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Then he goes into something that's almost peculiar to the listener. He says, For when I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat, and I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry? And it goes on, and he says, they say, well, when did we do all that? If you go down, and if I had my glasses, I could see, I think it's verse 40. The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. Now, then it goes on, and this is the part that it seems like everybody that's listening go, oh, oh, ooh, ooh. He says, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for those devils and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. Then also, will answer the Lord. They will answer the Lord. When, when did we do all this? And, and he answers, I tell the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these... You did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to their eternal life. In this short message, I've titled this, Working for Your Inheritance. We know that we don't work our way to heaven. We don't do our good deeds to get us into heaven. Salvation is a free gift that some people willingly choose not to do. They choose not to accept what Jesus did. But in this story, we see something of an effort put upon the person when they understand the blessings of God, that we are all blessed. All of those people that were listening were blessed with resources to be able to carry out what was asked of them. Did you notice that? They were all, God didn't say, I know you didn't have any food to give me, so you're, you're, in, you're in, in trouble. No, he says, when I was hungry, you, you chose not to feed me. When I was thirsty, you chose not to give me anything to drink. But they were all blessed with resources to be sheep. The, the second observation I want us to see is they were both, both groups were unaware of walking in love with people was actually walking in love with Jesus himself. Did you understand that when I read that? Because when I read it, I go, why is it that the people that are listening go, well, when? When did we not? You know, they kind of got to probably that Mickey Mouse voice that we all do. When? When did I do it? They, they were unaware that they were doing it or not doing it to Jesus. Another observation is the goats were selfish and they weren't aware of it. 
And therefore punishment came. Or will come. The, the reverse is the sheep were selfless. And even though that they were unaware that they were doing it for Jesus or with Jesus or for Jesus, that they received an inheritance. So in this short message this morning, I want us to bring it again to our awareness because what I found out in John Miller's life, it's not that I don't know it. Have you ever said later after messing up, you go, why did I do that? I knew better than that. Anybody besides me? Confession makes the heart feel better. Go ahead and raise your hand if you've ever been there. It's not knowing... It's in remembering the right thing to do at the moment that the opportunity presents itself. There's a difference between saying, I know that I need to do it. And there's a difference between I know and I will do it. And I really believe that so many people that are believers, they, they get to the place, and let me tell you, it's the worries of life, it's the, the deceitfulness of riches, desire for others. All this stuff gets clouded in our minds, and when the point of opportunity comes, it's usually, and you're going to go, Pastor, how do you know me? Because I know John Miller. It's usually easier to go, it's not beneficial for me to feed you, give, me, give you a drink. My schedule isn't really up to visit you in prison. You know you're bad. You shouldn't have been in prison anyway. My, my mind gets to working on an excuse not to. And, and when we all agree, it, it really means that we, we're all in unity. And it comes to the point of saying, really, it's not knowing. It's just in doing what we know. And as a church, as the pastor, as the leader of the church, I decided that we're going to reach out to our community. And our church is a group of sheep, not goats. And I speak that over you this morning. That as a church, that we're going to decide, not just because we know it, but we're going to do the stuff that God has asked us to do. And so when the opportunity presents itself, let me just tell you right now, as a group of sheep in this story that are willing to be selfless. That we're going to build a building that some people might scratch your head and go, you know, I really don't see what a coffee shop has anything to do with people going to heaven. It's like, well, pastor, I don't know if that person should have spent that money that way, so that's why he's thirsty and hungry. And I'm not for sure if mm, I want to be caught dead in that prison. See, we come up with reasons. But I'm telling you right now that as we enter into a new area of our church and we begin to not just minister on Sunday mornings, that we begin to minister all through the week when people come in and, and they, don't, they, they have no clue. But we do. That we're ministering to people as unto Jesus. We're not going to get caught up into the thought of. I don't know if that person deserves it or not. We're just going to do it. Now let me tell you. As somebody that's right in the middle of the battle of a building program. I know and am reminded constantly that we're doing something bigger than us. And I know that you're not 
you know, to all the details that are going on in that building project, let me tell you, it's a fight. It is a dogfight. And not to dwell into the battle any longer than just saying that. But I want us to realize that there's a reason why the enemy doesn't want us to succeed in that. And it's our choice to rise up and say, it will be done in the name of Jesus. That we will provide a place on a regular basis for people to come. And they'll come in and say, why is it so different in this place? Because this church is believing and praying for them on a daily basis. So when the pastor of the church realizes where we are and where we're going in this, it's too big for us. There is no way, no way, no way that we can build this, these buildings and do what our God has asked us to do. Unless, unless, here's the good news, God is standing beside us and then there's nothing we can't do. And so when, when we're in that place and I'm looking down the road and I'm going, uh-oh. Uh-oh. I start thinking, we better start sowing seed. Because in the time where you don't have anything, you better have had some seed being sown back there that's coming to harvest right now. And there's times in this building program that we have believed years ago for this building program that God revealed himself in a way that we would have never thought. Build a coffee shop, I tell you, the first time that God gave me that revelation, I thought. And see, some of you might still be there right now. But do you realize that as I began to speak what God told me to speak over that coffee shop and to tell people that all of a sudden things started happening in the spiritual realm. That's the only way I can explain it. And somebody would say, you know, I know somebody doing that and I know somebody and, and before long the Blairs and the Millers are in Honduras talking to people that are over a, a world ministry in, in Honduras that says, yeah, we, we have coffee, but Pastor, we don't really have anywhere to sell it. We can't get it to the United States because it takes so many regulations and things that God had a place to, for us to buy coffee before the coffee shop was even given to me. I could, I could preach a whole sermon on that. But let me just get it back to this. And then I'm going to turn it over to what God's done. Is that to be obedient to God is a choice. To not be obedient to God, it's easy to have excuses. I, I'm one of the best excuse givers. I can convince you. Because I'm an excuse giver. I know John Miller. But to walk, it seems like when there's no step there, well, maybe next week. Maybe, and it's hard to take that next step. To be able to tell the board members was the first step. I remember taking Joan Coy out to Cheddar's and going, I, I think that God maybe might be... Do you guys like coffee, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> so, I believe as a church that we needed to sow seed in a year 
that we could not afford the money. We have given money towards the trip for these to reduce their cost to go. And, and I purposed to say, oh yeah, oh yeah. We have bought coffee more than what they charged, that they were willing to charge us because we wanted to succeed in their ministry in order to do something that seems physically impossible for our church to do. I'm going to ask Gwen to come up now and just testify of the things that they saw as we were obedient as a church to put into place. What we were doing there, the different stations. Um, and so what's really special about each of those is that there's ministry in each of those. And so no matter if you're uh, taking blood pressure or you're sorting out medications or um, you're with the kids, there's always something, there's some way to love on the people there and minister into their lives, even without speaking the language, because I don't speak any Spanish. And so just being like, hola, como esta? And then, okay, translator, where'd you go? Like, <laughs> tell them I said hi, whatever. So, yeah, so it was really nice um, just to love on them in just different ways. And so that's something I took back. No matter, like, what your position is, there's always ways to love people without even using words in whatever you're doing. So, uh, but I would, I would say the most rewarding was the evangelism. Um, so everyone who came through, we would sit down with them one-on-one -on -one and talk to them and just get to know them, see if uh, they knew the Lord or if they'd heard of him and uh, give them the, the message of salvation. And so uh, I would like to just talk about maybe two uh, one, the first one is Carlos, and he was one of the guards of in the city because Tegucigalpa is like a super rough city. There's lots of crime and stuff. So uh, we asked him, oh, do you go to church or uh, do you know the Lord? And he said he had heard of the Lord, but uh, he didn't go to church because he worked too much and he couldn't go to church. So he didn't want and he didn't want to accept Christ without being able to go to church. So it was great of my translator, Lesbia. She was awesome. And so we got to talk to him and just explain, no, that's not how God works. He's not waiting for you to have time to go to church. Church is not what makes you a Christian. Of You can be saved, and God is not waiting for you to attend church regularly to be saved. And so that was awesome. And then of uh, Friday, the last day of the brigades, uh, I met a woman. Her name was, I want to say the name right. Let me see. Uh, Rosalinda. And uh, this was really encouraging because it was really cool. Like we were talking about, God's doing the same things here as he does over there. And so her and her husband were youth pastors at their little church in uh, the village. And so just talking to her and just hearing like what's going on when we leave, there's people there that are ministering to their country and to their people. It's really inspiring knowing, leaving, knowing that we're ministering to them. But by being there, we're, uh, we get to see kind of what we're leaving. There's strong people of God there that are going to continue what's being done. Um, yeah, so that was awesome. Just seeing the universal love of God in each of the churches we went to. They just oh, welcome us with like open arms. Like we can't speak to them. They can't speak to us. And we're just there hugging because we know we're all like people of God, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. So that was just really special to me. Uh, I'm going to briefly talk about the Rancho Ebenezer, which is where the orphans are. And how many orphans? 
about 40 orphans there. Uh, but their orphanage is a little different, so they're not for adoption. They keep them there, and they're growing them into strong Christian Honduran citizens. So each uh, child is assigned to a godly family unit where they are able to grow in their faith. Uh, we also got to see the school, which is really neat because uh, a lot of the curriculum they used is what I used as a homeschooler growing up. So I know it's really good curriculum, which is really cool. Um, yeah, and then it's just beautiful. We're about, I forgot how what the altitude is. Do you remember? It's like a mile high. So we're like up there. So we were playing tag with the kids, and I'm like out of breath because there's like no air there, and they're just running around like faster, faster. I'm like, okay, go down. So that was really fun. Uh, but yeah, we got to see where the coffee's grown. It's just beautiful. I think I can't even list off. They're like banana trees and like all this stuff that they have growing up there. They have a garden where they get a lot of their food and uh, it's just beautiful. Everything just grows up there. It's so like lush and green. Uh, and yeah, uh, so one thing that I thought was really cool is they said the coffee plants have a few years lifespan before you have to like replant new ones. But the ones there, do you remember how old he said they were? They were like well over three to four times the what it should be. They should be dead right now, but they're just like, well, we get the same amount of coffee, if not like more every year, so we don't even have to replant, which is just a miracle, and it's amazing to see what God's doing up there. And so I just thought it was awesome just to be there and see everything that God's doing, and really thankful that I got to come and share this with you. Thank you. Thank you, Peyton. You know, it's exciting because um, God's calling us all to serve. When we, you know, get on the plane and fly across the waters and go to another country, you're just set to serve. You think, well, that's what I'm coming for. But um, there's something that happens in all of us when we say, I'm ready to serve. So what you're seeing today is something that uh, there's something that happens in our own growth process and our own depth and our own capacity and our own personal reward when we serve, be it a door greeter, um, be it serving one another in a capacity such as as, as a teacher, uh, maybe serving to uh, set up coffee bar or, or whatever it is, um, working in children's ministry. There's something uh, when we left that, that last day, we were at the airport waiting for our flight. We had a, a, a wait time. And one of the Hondurans was talking to us and just thanking us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I just said, you don't understand. We're thankful to be here. We're, we're so thankful. We got the bigger blessing. And he just stopped and he just went into all the medications that we had provided. We shipped all those things because of the money that you gave. Um, all of the medications that were provided by this church and all the things, the clothing that was brought. And so he's trying to talk me into it. And so I listened. You know, I wanted to be honorable. He walked off, and then us, the, the team sitting there at the table said, we're still more blessed. But is that a win-win or what? Yeah. That you leave, and they're thinking, no, we were more blessed. And we're like, no matter what you say, we were more blessed. That's what God wants to happen in this local church. When we're on the worship team or whatever we're doing, we leave and we go, man. I was blessed more than they could have been blessed. It's the way the body of Christ operates. Brianna, come and share with us. Well, this was easily, easily like the best week of my life, okay? And I've had like some pretty amazing weeks in my life, so that tells you something about it. But really, like she's saying, there's such a joy um, that comes in service that uh, we learned on this trip that I've not known in my life before. Not that there has been like 
are not joy in service, but there is another level of joy that was introduced. And kind of like Peyton was saying, there's ministry in everything, um, whether you're holding kids or, you know, uh, holding over babies. And let me just say, I love this culture because you can just walk up and put your arms out and they'll give you their babies. Like I do that in America anyway. And no one has ever to this day told me no. I don't know why. But when they told us when we got there that we could do that and every woman would give us their children, I was like, I've come home. This is my place. So I was always with someone's little baby and we're, you know, just praying over them and prophesying over them. And it was phenomenal, just phenomenal. Um, but there is a different level of joy and service that comes with, you get to experience, um, you get to partake in the nature of Jesus and what it feels like to lay down yourself, not just your time or your energy. It, it's in it's in the smallest, most minute things where you might, might not feel that well that morning and you're pushing through with such joy and um, you're holding back, you're refusing to complain. There's no negativity amongst our group. Ms. Gwen challenged us on our first day not to allow anything negative ever at any time even to ourselves, come out of our mouths. And so you could sense that added kind of diligence that was present within the group that just uh, busted open the doors for the Spirit to do what he wanted to do. And it was amazing. I mean, it was just phenomenal. So I'm going to tell you two stories real quick. Um, I'm, both of mine come from evangelism, even though I could tell you many, many, many more stories about the other stations. And if you want to know, come tell me later. I'll be happy to tell you. It's been two weeks telling you. But in evangelism, on our very first day, um, I got assigned to go to evangelism, which really was not the one that I wanted to be in first. I just, I don't know. I didn't really want to. But when I found that out, I was like, cool. Like two things I know I can do. I can talk. I can pray. Like I can talk to some people and I know how to pray. So we get in there and um, we have a little bit of downtime before we begin. And I'm, I'm praying out of Acts where the believers are praying that they will preach the word of God with boldness. And they're asking the Lord to stretch out his sign and or his hands and perform signs and wonders amongst the people. So I was like praying that over everyone, wherever they were on their stations. Lord, May they operate with boldness. And I pray you stretch out your hands and you perform signs and wonders in this place. So the first guy um, comes to sit at our station, my station, me and my translator, her name was Anna. And um, he brought his like 153-year-old mother and um, <laughs> they sit down and they want to be prayed for. And just maybe some heal. I think he wanted healing and they w just for provision and stuff. And... Um, so, like, I'm, like, ready to go. I'm revved up, and I'm, like, okay, here we go. We're going to pray. I'm, like, Lord, I thank you so much. And I have to stop because Anna has to translate. So I'm, like, you're crushing my vibes here. You know, like, I'm, like, having a real hard time, like, working up. And, God, I ask you to touch. And, Lord, you can. And so I'm, like, I'm starting to get discouraged because I'm, like, Lord, like, I can't pray like I want to pray. So it really just turned out being, Lord, bless them. I ask you to heal them. Be with them. Provide for their needs like you said you would. You're so faithful. Love you so much. Amen. I didn't like that at all, y'all, because, you know, we like to be like, Lord, and your word says you'll provide for our needs according to your riches and glory. So I bless them in the name of you. That's what I'm trying to do. And I couldn't do it, so I'm, like, discouraged. And immediately I heard the Holy Spirit say, is your faith more in your ability to pray or in my ability to answer. And so I was just like cut to the core and going, there's a different level of faith that was introduced in that moment. And he turned around, the, the guy uh, who was with his mom turned around and just said to me, um, he had to have honor translated, but he said, I wanted to let you know that the minute that you laid your hands on me and you started praying, I felt the hands of Jesus come over my head and um, I felt the healing. And so it was just confirmation because I told you I'd been praying for Jesus to reach out his hands. And so I just was, I was in tears. That was the first person of the day. It's barely 7.30 a.m. and I'm, I'm already crying. So, and then my second person um, was on 
the, later that day, and one of the questions that they'll ask you uh, to ask the other people is, like, do you go to church? And um, I prayed with one lady, and she came back with, like, her 20-year-old niece, and I snatched her baby. Precious. And um, <laughs> the 20-year-old niece did not go to church. And so, you know, Anna's like, why don't you go to church? And She's like, I don't know. And so I asked her, I was like, is, was there something wrong? Did you get hurt by um, a believer? Did you get hurt by a church unit? Like, what happened? And she, she genuinely could not come up with an answer. And I could sense that there was, no, there was no real answer. She just did not want to go. She flat out was like, I don't want to go to church. So um, the baby kind of starts fussing. And I'm thinking, like, she's on the cusp of something. So I let Anna take it away. Usually the translator, like, waits for you to do the ministering. But I kind of looked at Anna with the baby, and um, I didn't know what to do because, what, you know, um, as a mom, when your babies are fussing, you kind of want to stop that moment and do something for the baby. And I'm like, oh, this moment doesn't need to stop. She needs Jesus. And so um, I didn't know what to do. I prayed in tongues real quick, and I started singing. I just sang, sang, Jesus loves me, this I know. And I sang the whole song to her. But before I got to know, the baby was knocked out. She was asleep. And um, any of you who have had to put a baby to sleep know that doesn't happen. Babies don't just fall asleep. But she did. I just sang the rest of the song to her, and she was out like a light, like she was good and out. And um, they got to pray with her, and they looked up in the middle of the prayer, and they were like so amazed that I had gotten their baby to go to sleep. So it was just amazing to see the Holy Spirit work in those little instances. And when you're in a culture that you don't speak the language and you you can't really depend on what you would naturally depend on, your senses, your ability to hear, your ability to speak, there is a, a greater level of dependency that comes on the Holy Spirit that brings such a reward, such a reward. And you pray over things like that that you might not pray over, like you might not always pray over a little crying baby. You're just like, the baby needs to go to sleep. She's tired. But in doing so, it provided a way for the Lord to be able to do what he was going to do. And so it was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, special thanks to Miss Gwen and to Miss Michelle, who didn't get to be with us. But she coordinated our trip, and she led our trip, and Miss Gwen kept her updated every step of the way on all those things. So you were as much in our hearts as if you were there, um, even though you weren't. We loved you so much. Thank you, guys. Heath, you're final. So if you guys want to just go ahead and be seated. Heath, I'm going to have you close things out, and then John may want to actually uh, – What, John, you want to step forward? Um, Heath, I asked him to share basically along the lines of the coffee because, you know, John shared the fact that we're seeing a bigger vision in our partnership that God wants with this church and the people of Honduras and especially WGO and believe that God is just uh, – planning a path before us for a, a greater impact. We've um, John mentioned the fact that God had been mentioning to him or stirring him for a regular point of outreach because this church have, has always done, you know, we've done community outreaches. We've done things, um, uh, you know, big days to draw people into the church. So we do that, but and that's not going to stop, but that God had been stirring in his heart a consistent way to reach out on a regular basis. So that's what we see happening um, with our, our funding and then also with the uh, coffee shop that will be opening. So Heath, tell us some things that you saw with um, Rancho Ebenezer actually has a coffee plantation right there on site at the children's uh, facility uh, off, off in a, a little nook and cranny. So tell us what some questions you asked and some things that you saw. Uh, absolutely. Um, first of all, I'm excited to be back with uh, all of you, and um, you're all uh, you were all back on the home front praying for us, and we appreciate that. And again, I just want to thank again the Blairs um, who weren't with us but were constantly praying for us. Um, we we really appreciate that. We know that some of the scripture that we were 
going through when we were serving one another and when we were doing our own devotionals, you guys were echoing, and God was just doing an awesome thing through our church. Um, and so I, I just wanted to echo how important it is for us all to work together as a church. And um, I'd like to say that, first of all, the trip to Honduras was hard, but it was awesome. Um, it was awesome to see what not just our church, but the Assemblies of God as a, a whole had become in Honduras as a bedrock that was more trusted um, even than the government in that area. that They were saying that um, when the Assemblies of God does an outreach, everyone shows up because they can trust the Assemblies of God, um, which it's sad to say that they could not do that of uh, the government in that area. Um, and so I just want to recollect a story. Um, several of us have shared um, in evangelism and dental just the amazing things that we saw the one thing that touched my heart uh, was the day that I got to serve in the children's ministry. <sighs> because we're down there and we, we're aware that we're partnering as our coffee shop with our church. We're, we're aware that um, we're, we're helping WGO minister. But I'm, I'm washing the lice out of this young girl's hair. She's, uh, I believe, five. Um, and her mom tells me, and Rosalinda translates, that they've been waiting since they've heard our medical brigade is coming to get this lice treatment. And the thing that hurts is this little bottle I have to ask, what does this cost? And she's like, under $5. They've been waiting over four months for a $5 lice treatment, which they know causes illness. They're aware that this, this kills their people, and they, they know that not... Uh, that people aren't even growing to adolescence because of this stuff, and they're waiting for us just because they can't afford it. So just being a part of WGO is more important than I can say, um, and they had all sorts of great things to say about the chapel, um, about our dedication, but then we got to see Rancho Ebenezer, which is WGO's uh, foster family orphanage, um, and they, they took us through, it was completely different than the rest of Honduras. Um, the kids were well taken care of, they were fed, um, and you could really see what WGO was doing. The, the, they're planting seeds in these children for the future of Honduras. Um, they talked to us about graduates who were um, international spelling bee champions, who had grown up and graduated and become, had gotten master's degrees and doctor's degrees here in America to go back to Honduras and serve. So it was more... It, it was more than I had expected going down there looking to serve for a week, but to see the roots being laid for a lifetime for a country to be changed. And so I just want to share a few verses that, that God has been working on me for months uh, before we even, uh, about the time that we started getting ready for this. And they're both out of Psalms, and it's Psalms 35, 20, uh, 37, 25, and it's, I have been young. And now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteousness of the Lord forsaken. And then later in Psalms uh, 37, 26, it says, The righteous of the Lord, they are always generous and they lend freely. So I want to make the point of, uh, as my dad said earlier with the coffee in Honduras, is that we, we're partnering with them. We're buying their coffee exclusively on this big of a contract. We're not uh, partnering with any other business on the, the level of WGO. And because they're not a business, because they're a nonprofit, they don't really work with outsourcing this coffee anywhere. So that's where we partner with them. And 
as I'm walking with Otnell, Luke and I were, were talking with him, and he comes to the point of at the end saying he appreciates us so much because they're just now starting to uptrend again and take in more students, take in more children, and that's because of the chapel. It, a mind-blowing thing is that through this partnership with coffee, Otnell tells us that we are now the number one partner of Rancho Ebenezer. And that's something that who, no, nobody here is ready to buy 6,000 pounds of coffee. I'm not ready to buy 6,000 pounds of coffee. But together, that's something that our church can do. That's something that Axiom can continue. And so he tells us, and God lays this thing in my heart, which I kind of like, ooh, I'll talk about that in the next mission strip. But he says, God puts in my heart, what does it take to sponsor the other children that this orphanage needs to take to capacity? I was like, ooh, that's just more because they have 41 students now and 84 is their maximum. So it's more students than are even being sponsored right now. And so I was like, I just, I don't have that in me. And he tells us then that we're the number one sponsors. And so I just had to ask, I said, what would it take for us to sponsor the rest of these children. And he was saying it would take us to maximize our farms that have been wiped out by these beetles uh, that have plagued their, uh, their coffee farm and their pine trees. And I said, okay, so you could grow to the maximum capacity to sponsor all these children. And he said, yes, and then we would need to sell all of our coffee. And so that's something that God has laid on my heart is that we can do that. Um, as Axiom continues to move forward, as we have an outreach in our own community to minister to our adolescents. Through that, we can also be the biggest partner with WGO. We can change this country in a way that only the church has ever cared about Honduras in that way. Not even its own people have been able to help out that way. So I can't encourage you enough to support WGO and what they're doing, but I appreciate everyone who helped financially, everyone who prayed, and everyone who continues to pray and financially support the coffee shop, because together we will achieve what none of us can achieve independently. Amen. Thank you all very much for your prayers and your support. Until you actually realize how much you need it. And this team, as they came back, said, we're so glad we're a part of a team, a church, that is doing something in the world and not just for themselves. We don't just show up and hear a sermon and leave, but that we're part of a church that actually is going into the world. And so this morning, it's kind of emotional because, again, as we're seeing the process happen in our own neighborhood, in our coffee shop, we want to ask you to support the building pledges and the building fund. But in case you're confused, there is no building fund that's different than the missions fund. Because we're not building this coffee shop probably a little bit different than any other maybe church building fund. Because a lot of times a sanctuary or a, a Maybe a children's building or a youth building is built for the people of the church. And we're encouraging the people of the community to come to it. The city, even in some of the permitting and the, the planning of our coffee shop, would scratch their head and go, so is it a business or is it a coffee? 
shop? Is it a business or is it a church? And I would say, exactly. <laughs> well, well, Pastor, I know you mean well, but we've got to know if it's a commercial building for profit or if it's a church. I'd say, yeah. <laughs> and I've said before, we'd come into obstacles where they'd say, you can't do that. And I'd say, well, they said we could do it before we started. Well, you're going to have to talk to the boss. He said, well, let's talk to the boss. And we'd go down the hall, and maybe you remember this story. And we went in, and the lady that they were scared to talk to, the boss, was a lady that helped me fold plans for this building some 18 years earlier. She was just a starting out young person, and now she is promoted up to the boss. And she said, Pastor, I remember that. What do you want to do? He can do that. And her subordinate said, he cannot do that. He's got a drive-through window. It's a business. And the lady that they feared looked at her subordinate, the boss, and went, he can do that. And she said, okay, you can do that. So... As we've walked out by faith, something that's in the spiritual realm, we're seeing it manifest in the physical realm. So this morning, in your life, let me, let me move it from coffee, Honduras, all that, to your life. If there's something that you're believing for that you've given up on, let me tell you, don't give up. Coming from the spiritual to the physical realm is going to take some effort, some believing, some faith on your part. We'll stand with you. Won't we, church? Amen. This morning, before we show the announcements, take up the offering and dismiss, can we agree in prayer? Would you just bow your heads? I tell you what, as an act of unity, why don't you stand with me? We'll have you sit down in a second, but just stand with me. Father, you have done a marvelous thing as our Father. And God, you said how much our earthly fathers love us and know how to do good gifts. How much more do you know and will give us wonderful gifts? And Father, you have provided in ways that we couldn't see ahead of time. And God, maybe even had fighting doubts. We had to fight the doubts and the fear of what if. But God, that we continue to walk. And I just pray right now for all the fear, doubt, and unbelief that the enemy has put on minds today that this won't work. God, I come against that in your name. Amen. And Father, I pray as a church, as we agree in prayer, that Father, that people in Honduras, their lives were changed and will be continually changed for your glory because of this group of people that have believed and prayed and financially supported a team that went. God, I pray that there are people, there's families, there's mothers and fathers and children because of that coffee shop. God, we don't have to try to explain how, but God, we know that you put it on our hearts and therefore, God, you will bring it about. In a generation that, God, that we might not have been able to see the miracles in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, but God, we want to see miracles 
in the day that we live. And God, the only way that it happens is to be obedient. Father, we thank you for that. Pray for this offering today, God. God, that we would continue to support and see the financial obstacles of building God melt away. Be able to see this. God, I'm praying for debt-free. God, we don't know how. We don't even see how that would be impossible. But God, you do. If you own the cows on all the hills, God, I pray right now that God, a miracle. One million dollars, God, would come in. To pay off that loan. To see an indebtedness bigger than us that nobody could deny it. And Father, that we can say that we supported believing it. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'll just tell you that we're supporting other ministries. We're supporting Africa. Next month we'll be able to see uh, and hear from an African pastor that's going to be here with us. And and let me tell you, we're sowing seed because we're doing stuff bigger than us. And we need, we need a harvest. Amen. Amen. Gentlemen, go ahead and take up the offering. Watch these announcements. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, before we're dismissed, I, I, I know that we just had time to choose a few of our our younger people. But let me tell you, we had some more mature people. Uh, not only Gwen, but the Cleghorns with, went with us or went with them. And uh, yeah, and uh, my sons said, and, and Gwen had told me that Travis had, had a knee problem and uh, they had prayed and, and they went somewhere that took a lot of steps and he was keeping up with everybody. He goes, man, my knee was healed. And, and, and what's amazing, he goes, <laughs> one of my sons, he said, you know what was amazing is, Travis. I said, well, what was so amazing about Travis? He goes, he was the first one there and he was the last one to leave at every job opportunity. And I said, so? Well, he's not young like us, you know? <laughs> so let me just tell you, as we prepare for years to come and, and, and uh, going on missions trips, I know that all of you more mature people might have a little bit more money and you can give, but you can give and go too. Because I'm telling you, it'll change your life. If you don't believe John Miller, ask the Cleghorns. I know that God has done an amazing thing also in their life. Would you stand with me? I just want to pray a blessing over your life this morning. Do you hear me? I want to pray a blessing over your life this morning. Did you hear me? I want to pray a blessing over your life this morning before you walk out that door that you will say, God, I receive everything. You might be right now and you came to this place this morning and you wanted to just just separate from your wife. You might want to wring one of your children's neck. You might want to leave this church for some reason because someone said something to you. But God spoke to you today. And I want you to leave different with a permanent change, just like I believe it was Taylor that said, 
she could leave, but will camp leave you? No, I'm bringing camp with me. I'm bringing the chapel home with me. I'm telling someone about the goodness of God. God, today, I pray blessings on my friend's life. God, you know in a few seconds they're going to turn around and walk out of this door. My Father, I pray that blessings and favor. God, you said that God, that blessings will come and overtake us. I just pray and I just believe right now that the people of this church, God, will receive, God, your blessing this morning. And that they would picture all week, God, your goodness, your faithfulness, your mercy on their life as even someone chasing them to catch them. Your favor to come and overtake them this week. And Father, that they would be able to rejoice and testify of your goodness. And everybody in agreement with that prayer said, Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Go have the best day of your life. Hallelujah.